HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I can't think of a better way to get this day started. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. I spent the last weekend in Montana, out in Glacier National Park. And the cold mountains, and uh, it's a beautiful day in Brooklyn, and I can't think of a better way to start it off than trying some tequila. And my guest today is actually a, uh, comes from a, a, a very, very intense lineage, uh, a family lineage of uh, a bunch of very cool people uh, from Mexico uh, that have... Man, you've been all over all over the history of Mexico. I, I would like to welcome you to the show, uh, Herman Gonzalez of T1 Tequila. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here and to taste some tequila. Yeah. In there. Well, yeah, it's a good time <laughs> to taste tequila. Um, so, well, before we get into that, I mean, your your family history is pretty insane. You've, I mean, like it's you guys are you have a, a long, long, crazy family history, right? Yes, it uh, it seemed like everything started with my great grandfather, mm-hmm. who was you know some wars uh, of Mexico, you know the Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, it just happened. That was last week. <laughs> yes, and that's when, like that's the holiday that it celebrates uh, getting drunk on the street, right? No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I'm but kidding. you know it's um, it's a it's a good celebration. Uh, I didn't like that. Now people tell me. You don't make a tequila face, you you make a Cinco de Mayo face. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's uh, you know, my family has been part of what Mexico is today, the good part of Mexico. Yeah. So your your great-grandfather, or great-great-grandfather, um, Manuel? Manuel, yes. Yeah. So he was, he was in the military, then um, his son was, became uh, president... No, uh, my my great grandfather was a president of Mexico. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's a it's a little 
dark story there because uh, they were from Matamoros, his parents. And, you know, they got married and they used to have very long honeymoons. So they went to visit their family into Spain. And it seemed like he was born in that trip. So he actually, I believe it wasn't born in Mexico. Oh. So it was part of the dark part of the history. <laughs> well, I don't think that's that bad. I don't know. It, you know. I think as long as they get a long honeymoon, that's... You know, everyone wins. Oh, yes, we have been, <laughs> we're still here. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, <clears throat> as United States, in Mexico, we have a lot of people that come from other countries. Sure. To create what our culture is now, right now. Yeah. We call it the melting pot, you know? Yes. It's like all these different cultures coming together and creating essentially the new culture of what that is. And that, that's a beautiful thing. It's a like a, a meritage, you know? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, if it wasn't for that, the tequila will not be here because, you know, the Aztecs will use the agave to make uh, a fermented product that is called pulque. Pulque, yeah. But the Spanish people, when they came to conquer what today is Mexico, they had the, the, uh, the distillation process that they learned from the Arabs mm -hmm. and uh, you know the Spanish were a very thirsty people <laughs> so when they came into America and they sold these products they started stealing everything to see what they like it and that's how the tequila came or well at that point it was called mezcal yeah so it was essentially poke which you're chewing on roots and spitting out. The <laughs> yes, you know, it's, they didn't have the capacity to make the fermentation. They didn't know how to do it. But the yeast and, and all the different, like, fermentation. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's, like, that's something that, like, we learned over time. You know, there wasn't, there was no, like, okay, beginning of mankind, and then here's the distillation, the fermentation process. No, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, the Spanish were conquered by the Arabs for 700 years and they learn a lot yeah and they trans they sent they, that knowledge came to Mexico so yeah. it makes a much richer Mexico culture yeah so that's actually you know the the idea of distillation to me has always been fascinating and I I wish like I wish I would have gotten into that idea when I was the age that you were when you got into it because you you said to your parents um, that you didn't want to go to college you wanted to learn the family business of making tequila but and that's awesome I wish I would have uh, had the opportunity to do something like that um, so when did that all start when did the tequila process uh, start in your family you know it's a, it, it's a whole history my family has been a very important part of the history of Mexico mm -hmm. especially when my father uh, he was uh, he was he used to work for the government on the insurance area for the for agriculture agriculture right? so when a hurricane came through the south of Tamaulipas and he flew all over to see what the, you know the devastation made by the hurricane But, you know, his ranches were there. Yeah. And he saw some wild agaves. And he, you know, he thought we need this kind of agaves because they're good. Not that kind. 
some agaves because the agaves will hold the soil. Yeah, they they're resilient. Yeah, so they, it, they stood up while the uh, the hurricane came through. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when he decided that it was a good idea to plant agaves, and he went for the blue agaves. Yeah. By any time. What happens every 12 to 8 years, 8 to 8, 12 years in America, in, sorry, in, in Mexico with the agave growers, there's a shortage. And that time there was a shortage of agave, so that's what, that created an opportunity. Yeah, and especially knowing that, like, probably, you know, every... On average, I would say seven years, there's probably going to be a big hurricane that's going to come through. You know, like lately in the United States, we've had so many, and it's like, you know, trying to rebuild and like all the devastation, you know, that happens with a hurricane uh, or any like major storm like that or ice storm or anything like that, you know, like seeing that you have this resilient plant that you can actually do a lot with, uh, not just making tequila, but, you know, making food and making syrup and, you know, like refining it into different products. Um, it just makes sense to, I, it's cool that he had the foresight to say, Hey, I'm going to plant all this blue agave, but you had, you had issues with was in the, the mid late seventies when the, uh, when the region of tequila started becoming, uh, like a nationally like recognized entity because there was the zoning laws of where it could be, but you were kind of outside the original, area correct yes we were you know as my grandfather and all our family we were a little different <laughs> so he created he built his distillery in tamaulipas which is on the central east part of mexico next to the gulf of mexico and as the only agave uh, tequila distillery and you know the other at that time there were only like 36 agave uh, Tequila, tequila distilleries. And they didn't want my father to do his tequila on the other side. The law just protected the whole state of Jalisco and some municipalities of Michoacán, Nayarit, and Guanajuato. But they didn't add Tamaulipas. So my father had to fight against all the tequila industry to get uh, the permission for 11 municipalities in Tamaulipas. It took him like four years and that's why the name of my father's tequila was Chinaco, because Chinaco were the, you know, loyal uh, horse rider fighters yeah. from Mexico that were next to the Mexican army uh, in the Cinco de Mayo War. Yeah. Right? That's, I, love, I love that story. That's great. Um, it's a small company, a small army fighting to survive Yeah. with the big guys. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. I mean, like, he was, like you said, he was, uh, well, he was a, he was an attorney, correct? Yes. Yeah, and he was, he, and he was dealing with a lot of the agricultural department of Mexico, and uh, I, uh, I think I read somewhere that like he took the, uh, the president at the time, president at the time, uh, they flew over his agave fields, and he was like, look, look down, check all this stuff out. Come on, <laughs> let's let's, give let's them. do this. Yeah, it's a very interesting moment of the tequila history, and my amigo, my friend Guillermo Erickson Sousa from Tequila Fortaleza, mm -hmm. he knows that his great grandfather was in that meeting with my father, and that his grandfather was kicked out of the meeting 
because he criticized one of the Mexicans. Ah. As a Mexican in front of the president, he criticized Guillermo Romo, saying, don't, don't let that clown talk. So the president of Mexico, José López Portillo, kicked him out of the meeting <laughs> and went with my father Güero, well, his nickname, we cannot talk about politics, but this is yours. And that's how it appeared on the official Mexican journey, where it says, because of Tequilea La Gonzaleña Asket, we'll give this area the permission to produce tequila. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, I, it's, it is like a very Chinaco story, you know? It's like, it's kind of like the underdog fighting for it, you know? Yes. I you, love it, man. You have to be like that in order to survive. Yeah. You, you have to fight to survive, man. Um, well, speaking of that, like, let's talk about this for a second. You know, like, it is such a, a hard uh, spirit market. You know, with with the agricultural limitations of having, you know, you know, these agave plants have to mature over many, many years. So it definitely creates a higher demand um, for tequila. Um, but then, like nowadays, how do you feel about the the market differences of like things like? Well, like mezcal has gotten more and more popular over the past however many years. But now you have different things like Total and Racia that are coming into the market. Do you think that that's supportive of the tequila market or the agave spirit market of all of Mexico? Or do you think it's competition or a little bit of both? No, I don't think it's competition. I think, uh, you know, in, in the American continent, we have 100 and around 180 different agave species. Mm -hmm. In Mexico, we have like 150. In order to make tequila, it has to be the blue agave. Yeah. Uh, for the mezcal, the losses, these eight uh, varieties plus the ones that are from your region. Sotol has his own, but most of them are very wild agaves, mm -hmm. difficult. So it's, a, it's not a competition. I think we, we are open for the cousins. Yeah, I think it like raises awareness of all, all of the spirits. Oh yes, and you know it's uh, mezcal is uh, it's it's so different, and what you're looking on tasting the mezcal is more more herbal. Mm -hmm. It's it, you know it's uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm open to to taste all the yeah agave. Because like in the United States, you could say that you know rye and wheat, you know, because they look the same, just like a lot of agave plants look the same, but rye and wheat are very different, you know. Yeah. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't get into that. But let's take a quick break and when we get back in to the show, let's uh let's try some of the T1 tequila. Cuz I am really excited to check it out. <laughs>
Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio. And I want to talk to you about brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right. Sonic Aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non-chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. The stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled, American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And we have been talking tequila with my buddy Armand Gonzalez. And I think, you know, I think maybe it's time to taste some of these spirits. I mean, first of all, you you started making these in the late 2000s, correct? So it's very, very recent. Oh, yes. It, uh, T1 has been in the market only five years. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud because, you know, it's... We don't have money to push it, so every step that we go, you know, is because of your quality. Sure. And that's very important. We are, like, in 20 states in the United States, and we are in Canada, New Zealand. You know, it's we are growing. Yeah. And I, that's why the name T1, uh, when I was creating the brand, I wanted a very easy brand that you can pronounce in any language. Sure. So T1 is for tequila uno. Yeah. Well, I think that's very interesting because I also heard somewhere that uh, that you wanted to name it after... What was it? Bird or a tree? No, there was a tree. I think originally someone told me that you were going to name it after a tree, that, but then you thought that it was too hard to pronounce. So I, like, my background is in graphic design and marketing before I got into the bar world. So to me, that makes perfect sense, you know, like having something that you can pronounce anywhere and there's no like mispronunciation because it's always funny to me when, especially with like scotch whiskey. Oh, yes. You know, (laughs) so we, you know, we've been around the bars a lot, you know, for many years and then, uh, you know, like some brand ambassador comes by and then like from a scotch cup and they tell you, like they pronounce it in uh, the correct way, the way it's supposed to be pronounced, but we've been totally botching it the entire time <laughs> like for years and years and years so i think it's very smart to name it t1 um and uh yeah so like this is it's very much a passion project you know like you said you you're not like putting a lot of mo- money behind marketing you're letting it become like word of mouth i know you moved to you had moved to texas oh yeah at a certain point and started doing some market research and what came of that well you know it's uh I think T1 is the add of my spirit, my father knowledge who passed it to me, my experience, and I have been in the States for 12 years and given a lot of tastings. And I like to see people's faces. 
to see if they like it or not. You know, it yeah. it, it helps. This is this is a product that is made for the consumers. Yeah. Except for the selecto that I created, the T1 Blanco, I created for myself. Oh. <laughs> but you know, well, you have to you have to get high on your own supply. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yes, but you know, it's um. I think it's a good time to taste the T1 yeah, Selecto, which is a Blanco, 43% alcohol. And, you know, this tequila has a very long distillation process to acquire as much agave flavors as possible. So it becomes very herbal. It has a little more alcohol to make the balance. Mm-hmm. And it's a well-rounded, balanced product. Yeah, I smell this one. We poured this at the very beginning of the show, which was 20 minutes ago, and... Uh I really like the way it's opened up. Salud. Salud, amigo. Mm. The, 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 the main thing that I wanted to create in T1 is, I will always say I love beautiful American women, but not when they do the tequila face. So I had to work, work a lot to take <laughs> away that. So it's a very gentle tequila, all the T1 line. We are hermano, man, because I feel the same exact way. <laughs> we are brothers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, the, you know what's interesting to me, too, is like the uh, the American tequila consumer like has changed so much over the past, geez, I would say like since the late 90s when, when like that big drought had happened. Um, and tequila prices started going up and up and up, and it was harder to get. But um, back then, it was, and like even like ten years ago or so, it was like all like it was all about añejo. And then it started moving to reposado. And lately, I've had a lot of customers at the bar that are coming in specifically for blanco. You know, blanco is is the base. Uh, tequila is one of the very few products, spirits that you can drink directly from the steel. So what you are tasting with the blanco is, is the agave, is yeah. the plant, is the is the, the fruit, mm-hmm. and it's amazing because, you know, it's very easy to drink in the case of T1, and the other thing, uh, a lot of people ask me, but this is not a margarita tequila. Oh no! And not I will always go like, it depends. If this for your wife, do a margarita with the best products. And T1, it's amazing, gentle, easy. It is. It has a nice, like, kind of buttery quality to it, some, like, grassiness. It's, um, it's you know, so many people shoot Blanco tequila in the States, but this is, like, one of the, I would say this is one of, like, my top three now, like, sipping Blanco tequilas. Um... Do you think that um, the, I don't know, I just, I just had this thought pop in my head, but do you think that the American market for uh, people who who are enjoying like Blanco tequila, do you think it kind of like followed in with the American whiskey going through like when they started doing like Moonshine and White Dog whiskey, you know, like straight from this still? Because like for so long, I feel like I just started putting the timeline together, but you know, because, because for a long time... Age spirits, the the more age that was on a spirit equaled a higher quality in a lot of people's minds. But so everyone would go for the older stuff. But then 
you know, when some of these distilleries started, you know, American whiskey distilleries started putting out white dog whiskey, people started going for it. And now there are people who just like absolutely prefer it. And there are, there are some distilleries that only do white dog whiskey. They don't do aged whiskey. I mean, some of that has to do with like the cost of aging. Um, but I, I, I but, think brown in spirits is more cultural in the American ideas. Yeah. Um, in the case of the Blanco in tequila, it will, you know, you can have a great añejo, but you have to learn in your mouth how the Blanco is. Yeah, sure. You have to learn how it's, it's like a good wine. You need, you need to know how the grape tastes like. This is the same. So, uh, uh, and I understand the culture about the color. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I will always remember people will ask me, which one is the most expensive? And I yeah. will like, well, of course, the age. Which one is the best? It depends on everybody's sure. uh, uh, palate. And also what's interesting about that is, you know, like your your palate changes over time. Like the further you go along, you know, you're... you're I always say that, you know, everybody has their favorite Beatles song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then that changes all the time, too. You know, like every day it could change. It could change in the middle of the day, actually. Yeah. You know, what's the most amazing thing about tequila is that you have a Blanco that can be compared with vodka mm-hmm. with more flavor. And you have the Extrañejos that can be compared with cognacs. For sure. And if you know how to manage your barrels... That's something that I learned from my father. You will have an excellent añejos that never lose the agave. And all my tea ones will never lose the agave flavor at one point. You know, yeah. it's I will never make a tequila that lose our essence, which is agave. It's green. Yeah. Um, I think we've got enough time to try one more on the show. Oh, yes. And then... We can try all the rest at at the bar. We're going to Grand Army, my bar, after this to uh, sample some drinks and have some tequila and uh, just a good time. So which one would you like to try next? I think that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) I think we can jump for the Añejo. Okay. I call it Tijuana Estelar. Mm -hmm. This one has been aged for 20 to 24 months. And the idea of this product is... To gain the dryness that only time and good will give you. And for that purpose, I use all scotch, all scotch whiskey barrels. I like scotch whiskey barrels because they are very easy to blend with tequila. You know what's funny? It's that I said that the, the Blanco to me was kind of buttery. And then you said scotch whiskey. But right before you said that, I was smelling it. And then I, it smells like butter scotch to me. <laughs> and it's amazing. You know, it's... Tequila is not very old on getting to know barrels. Yeah. We are new on that. Are are there, like, like what do you see, like, the future of, like, there, there's so many, like, you go, talking about scotch, you know, there's so many different aging processes and different barrel finishes that they are doing, you know, with different, like, Madeira, Port, Cherry Cast, like, uh, American Oak Cast, like, all these different things. Are you starting to see tequila 
experimenting with some of these different cask finishes? Oh yes, it's it's amazing. It's easier to buy the bourbon used bourbon barrels, especially. Well, I don't like them because they are too strong, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I like Scotch. By the way, this is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I love it because it it has a very um, dark chocolate finish. Just imagine that with a coffee on the side. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, uh, it's it's very skinny because you know it's you don't have to add sugar to yeah. your coffee. Well, this is cool because tequila and scotch are both very earthy spirits, you know. So, like they they bind together very well. This is really cool. Sorry, get sorry, listeners. <laughs> uh, we just keep going on about this, but uh, I know you're not tasting what this, but you should be. Um, yeah, this is really incredible and. Wow. I know you've been a very busy man. What, what's next on the horizon? Um, I'm building a new distillery mm-hmm. in the state of Guanajuato. Cool. In an area that I, I'm going to call the highlands of Guanajuato. And I'm very lucky because, you know, my great-grandfather, mm-hmm. when he became the former president, he became the governor of Guanajuato until the day he died. Wow. So there's a lot of easy way to to pull <laughs> strings and history be, behind that, and that you know it's I I like Americans because they like to read, they like to know more about the roots of what they drink, and that's that's all about what I'm gonna do there. Cool, small distillery, handcrafted, a small hotel, fifteen rooms, so you can stay. And you can drink whatever you need. All right. So, <laughs> is that an invitation? Oh yes, it's open. <laughs> I think we'll be open by late seventeen. Yeah. But it, uh, I'm very happy. I feel very proud of myself that I'm building this. I feel very proud of you too. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, my friend, we're brothers now. So, oh yeah, I'm coming down to visit my family in Guanajuato at the new hotel and the distillery. And uh, but now we got to go. You have to come visit me at my bar. So uh, let's let's head down to Grand Army, uh, my bar, and uh, we'll hang out from uh, five to seven and have some drinks and continue our chat. Uh, and that goes out as an invitation to everyone else who's listening out there. And uh, I'm on. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Um, I can't wait. To, I thank you so much for bringing these tequilas and your knowledge of the the brands and and. And I just, I just really appreciate you taking the time to be here. For me, it's great. You know, I, I like to talk about tequila. That's, it's on my blood. Yeah. And hope to see you in the Grand Army. Yeah. Bar. I'm the guy with the hat. We're we're the guys with the hats. <laughs> I we're we're not going to be very hard to spot. <laughs> All right, that's salute. it. Yeah, salute. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check into Heritage Radio Network for many, many more programs like this. And check out T1 Tequila if you get a chance. It is super, super movie delicioso. All right. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 